girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Fasting is a challenge for so many of us. And I talk about intermittent fasting a lot because it has been essential to improving quality of life and balancing hormones. Certainly in my life and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of others, it's been part of traditions from many cultures and societies for many years and for many generations and generations, thousands and thousands of years, plus by design. It is often a challenge for us to get into the state of fasting and to feel comfortable at it. But I like to say fasting is a muscle that needs exercise. So be patient. You continue to learn and grow from the ability to fast and persisting in it. Fasting does more than work on our body and our physiology. It works on our mind and our emotions, and it can be a powerful transformational tool. Through my life and certainly my journey, I've used fasting for meditation. I've used it to get a higher spiritual connection and clarity. My way, the keto green way, is essential before I speak or have a challenging event. I want to be as clear as possible. So I want to make sure I'm in ketosis, but with an alkaline base, alkaline physiology too. And this combination has been game-changing for me. You guys, if you haven't gotten my books, definitely all of them are amazing. And Menu Pause is coming out April 12th. So be sure to grab your copy of Menu Pause with all the pre-order bonuses and information on that is at dranna.com. So encouraging you to join me and taking the next right step as we pause certain things that are no longer serving us in our lives and from food to toxic thoughts and to patterns. So with that, I wanted to bring in a fellow expert on fasting that has been in this space for quite a long time and is really inspirational. A fellow Georgian, I can still call myself a Georgian. I was in Georgia for 26 years. Okay, I'm in Texas now. He is Dr. David Jockers. He is a doctor of natural medicine and runs one of the most popular natural health websites called drjockers.com, which has gotten over a million monthly visitors and his work has been seen on popular media such as the Dr. Oz Show and Hallmark Home and Family. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough and The Fasting Transformation. So he is a world-renowned expert in the area of ketosis, fasting, inflammation, and functional nutrition. He's also host of the popular Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, for which I've also been a guest. So he lives in Cannon, Georgia with his wife, Angel, who they've been married celebrating seven years, and his twin boys, David and Joshua, and his daughters, Joyful and Shine. I love the energy he brings to everything he does. And join me in inviting Dr. David Jockers. Well, welcome, David, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It is great to have you here with us today. Anna, always great to be on with you. Really love what you're doing and uh, the great content you're putting out. Well, thank you. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. And I'm a fan of your work and your books and also the integrity with which you do it, the integrity with which you do it. So I think, you know, uh, that's been really inspirational to see, right? When, when things, we're, we've gone through pandemic times and yeah. there's been such a great positivity in your communication strong faith and very motivational. So thank you for that work. Well, thank you. That's an honor that you say that. And, you know, I, I really feel like, just like you said, I mean, we have a lot of chaos going on in our world. And so, you know, as believer, I really need to be anchored into my faith. And, you know, as a influencer, I want to help other people have hope and anchor into 
the plans that God has for them. Cause I believe God has great plans for us, even though there's a lot of chaos going on. And so if I can put that message forward and uh, help inspire people, then that's just, it's a great blessing. Glad you say that as we talk about this, I think even further, if I can ask, because, you know, with a physical practice, when the pandemic hit, like those stores are, were closed. Those were limited and you think, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And it's a huge financial strain. And so how did you handle that? Like, how did you navigate that and stay in your positive or, you know, go up and down and continue in this really positive, strong trajectory? Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, especially also when you understand natural health, the way that people reacted to the pandemic was confusing to me because I'm kind of in a bubble, you know, where... The way that I look at health is that actually getting exposure makes us stronger. It's like this hormesis model. And so I was like, yeah, certainly we want to protect people that are vulnerable, you know, people in nursing homes, people that are immune susceptible, but, you know, we need to, in a sense, we can't just be scared of germs and scared of bugs and and live our life like this, try to cover it up and run away from it. And so I was frustrated, you know, probably like you and, and many other people in the beginning. But then I just, it was really, I was putting out information that was really coming from my pride and, you know, God really convicted me of that. And so I really wanted to change my tune to just giving people hope and inspiration and practical strategies and ideas, you know, for what they should be doing to help support their immune system, give them better resilience, give them a better mindset in spite of everything that was going on. You know, fortunately in this sort of natural health world, you know, and living in a state that had less, you know, it was a little bit more free than, than other states. You know, I live here in Georgia. It didn't honestly, and I, and I work from home, so it didn't honestly affect my life that much. And I was very fortunate and blessed. And there's so many other people that lost their jobs or their businesses and struggled and things like that. You know, I had sold my brick and mortar clinic and, you know, the lady that operates that she didn't have to close, you know, the, the clinic is doing great. Unfortunately, thank God, you know, and so, but there are so many people that did deal with a lot of setbacks. And so my heart goes out to them. And, you know, I always try to tell people that if you were able to build something successful in the past, you can do it again, right? And the challenges that we come against, you know, they're there to refine us and to make us stronger. We get stronger through stress. And so don't let it beat you down. You know, there's certain time and place for mourning if you built something great that, you know, unfortunately did did come down or, you know, if just your way of life was, was affected by that, there's a place for mourning, but, you know, we've got to grow through that, you know, and, and just challenge ourselves, our mindset, our bodies become more resilient. And right. I, I think if there's any blessing that comes out of the pandemic, it's that we need to be more resilient, more resilient mentally, emotionally, physically, we need to be healthier. You know, as a society, I think we're, we're weak. We're not very resilient. We're weak. I mean, our bodies are damaged. They're overrun with toxins. They're not adapting to stressors very effectively. Our emotions and our mindset, we're not ready for, you know, the challenges of life as well as we should be, as well as many of our ancestors were because they walked through these things. And so we need to really create an environment where we can become more resilient. We don't get lazy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, but instead we're challenging ourselves and growing and becoming more resilient and adaptable to uh, the demands of our environment. Yeah, there are some things that, you know, one of the things you said is like a prideful at the beginning. And it's true. It's like, y'all, if you were just listening to me from the beginning, do what I'm saying, right? You won't get sick. Like our house, Touchwood, thank you, God, you know, has been free of flu, free of viruses. I did get shingles. I did get like, what the heck? I was doing you know, I did, I did get that. I think it was hot yoga every day and some, you know, stress, of course, but who knows? I'm 55. So I was 54 at the time I got shingles during this pandemic, but that was really weird, but I caught it really quickly, nipped it in the butt, did, you know, high dose vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, Valtrex. I mean, I got it covered very quickly. So I didn't, it didn't really set me out. So I'm very thankful but still, like with that, it was, it was that, come on, guys, like, like here, here's the immune bundle. Here's the, you know, like yeah. here's the steps that we can take. Here's the breakup with sugar. But it's often that time to stress, we crave sugar more and it stops us on this inflammatory cascade. It does start us on this inflammatory cascade. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, resilience is so key. And I've had post-traumatic stress and how 
like I, I talk a little bit how I converted it from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic resilience, yeah. right? To post-traumatic growth, even better, right? And I think this, this okay, okay, society, come along. These are lessons I've learned the hard way. I don't want you to learn it the hard way. Here's the shortcut. Here's the cliff notes. Here's the next steps, right? And, and I think that's what we're doing in this space is standing up and saying, okay, you know, these are the steps that have helped me on my journey. These are the steps I've seen and witnessed help others on their journey. And let's not put blinders on. I think a lot of it too was just inundated with so much misinformation. And then there was yeah. so much, it's really a very interesting time we're living in. Yeah. And I am thankful when it comes to, okay, what do I know to be true? Right. And yeah. And biblically, how do I act in, in truth and with the spirit of consolation, the spirit, gifts of the spirit? How, if I'm not in this space, well, I better, I better make a quick step to get there, right? Get yeah, that is, that is a great reminder. If you're not acting out of the gifts of the spirit, then you're acting out of the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you're a fellow believer, so we can talk like this you know, you're acting out of the flesh. And many times we are acting out of the flesh. Like, I, you know, I mean, it's just part of our nature and it's very easy to get prideful and things like that. And, and we live in a world where unfortunately the media is really trying to divide us and trying to, trying to create divisiveness and make bad guys and good guys and this and that. And so it's very easy to get very prideful. And, you know, I think we have to remind ourselves that most people out there are just trying to do the best they can, you know? And we need to offer grace and mercy and support and help uplift each other. Exactly. And focusing on the positive and doing what we can as we're out. One of the little things is just maybe trivial, but I think it's, you know, how can I, how can I help and bless others with a kind word, with an extra tip, with gift of just being kind, right? And remembering that. And sometimes remembering when others aren't so kind to me, you know, or what the situation may be, to say, okay, let me give them grace. Just Stay in my presence. And again, like I would say, there's two sides to a coin, right? And each of us has it. I can be a saint and a sinner. (laughs) I can. So it's okay. It's the two sides of of my personality. I just want to work on the better, more gracious aspect of myself. And when we're stressed, that certainly comes true. And I, I know it when I'm running on empty, that's a challenge. In my magic menopause course, I have a class called the gift of giving from an overflowing cup right? And giving from an overflowing cup when we're empty, that's when we're struggling. And resentment is a sign of lack of self-care. So remembering that ultimately, we've got to make sure we're taking good care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's the takeaway. And I think a lot of people, fortunately, you know, have subscribed to your podcast, my podcast, because they're looking for more information. They realize, you know, people are listening now, they realize, hey, I got to take good care of my health. I need to support my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health. And that's why they're listening to this interview right now. And if you are in that headspace, then kudos to you. You know, you've taken the right step. You've learned the lesson through this pandemic. And, you know, as you take these action steps, your life is going to improve. Yeah. And just one right next step at a time. We don't have to do it all at once, right? One next right step at a time. And to know that you're in good company. (laughs) One of the things I was, before I got on, before we started recording, I was talking to Dave about, okay, this is what my audience really, I want David to share with my audience about. Sometimes we feel like we're taking two steps forward and one step back, or even one step forward and two steps back, or feel like we're on this roller coaster ride, especially when it comes to fasting. So there are a couple really key things that we're going to talk about in this episode is fasting and fighting inflammation. Let's talk a little bit about this roller coaster ride. What have you seen in working with clients when you get to this stage and how do you discipline through it? Yeah, that taking that one step forward, two steps back kind of idea. You know, you just really have to understand where your momentum is. It's so much easier to, you know, when you slept well, for example, uh, overnight, it's easier to get up in the morning and say positive things about yourself and exercise and do those things. So one positive health pursuit will lead into the next positive health pursuit. But the same is true when you do something that's not positive for your health, that can lead you down a negative momentum spiral. And so if you stay up late because you're busy, you know, with work or a fight with your relationship or whatever it is, you know, that can oftentimes lead to bad decisions the next day. And so you just have to try to realize and be aware of where you are in that momentum cycle. I think that's important. 
you have to remind yourself of your goals. Why are you doing this? Right. And having a big why, you know, that if you have a why that makes you cry, right? So a big why for what you're trying to accomplish with Ooh, your I life. I like that. A why that makes you cry. Yeah. Yeah. Inspires you, right? That if you think about like, okay, what do I want somebody to say about me at my funeral, right? What do I want to look like and feel like 10 years from now? And when you look into the future and you see yourself, right, fit, healthy, strong, modeling health for your kids, your grandkids, whatever it is, healthy emotionally, healthy mentally, happy, joyous, it should almost make you cry, right? You know, you are, you are a leader, right? And people want to, you know, be around somebody that's exuding this sort of positivity. And so if you're seeing that and it's inspiring you, then that will help you anchor into that. And it will help you overcome making bad decisions in your life. So I think that's important. Of course, you know, like we talked about having grace. So when you do slip up, you're just having grace for yourself in that moment and then re-anchoring to the vision that you have for your future. I think that's so important. And so you have to really have a big why. It can't just be, you know, kind of a, a number like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds or I just want to feel better. I just want to sleep better. I mean, honestly, like that's kind of how a lot of us start. It's like, you know what? I'm tired of not getting good sleep at night. I just want to feel rested. Right. And there's nothing wrong with starting like that. But if you really want sustainable results, you've got to advance, right. Or mature into this sort of bigger why. Right. And ideally, you know, working with somebody like Dr. Anna or her programs or, you know, my programs, you'll get better sleep. Right. But the reality is that if you go back to bad lifestyle habits, you know, it's going to be hit or miss, right. And you're going to, you're going to revert back and you're never really going to get where you want to be ultimately. When people say they want better sleep, it's really, they want better energy. They want to feel better. They want to spend more time, more focused time with their kids or be able to perform better in their business, right? There's a bigger why beyond just sleeping better. And you want to really anchor to that. I love that. I love that. Cause what does that better sleep help you accomplish, right? What is that, you know, workout help you accomplish? What is that, you know, feeling, I would say slim, sane and sexy, what does that help you accomplish? And, and that's the focus. That's the focus. And at the end of the days, that's what we really want to rely on. How did I live my days? Was I a couch potato or did I, you know, thrive? Did I pour into other people's lives to help them do the same thing? It is so easy to get lost on this journey. It's so easy to get dissuaded, discouraged. And for many of my clients too, I hear, I feel like my body's betraying me. I feel like my body's betraying me. And one of the things that I've done and I've incorporated to really help me in my journey is fasting, sometimes short fasting, sometimes longer fasting and all different kinds of fasts that I've done. And you have your book, The Fasting Transformation. So how have you used fasting? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, growing up, my parents would fast, you know, my family would fast like once or twice a year just for spiritual purposes. And I hated it. I thought it was like the worst thing ever. I'm like, why would we ever do this? And, you know, I actually started intermittent fasting really more out of necessity because in my early twenties, I developed irritable bowel syndrome and I was a personal trainer. I was super fit. And I just started having pretty severe gastro, you know, just bloating, distension, cramping, constipation, diarrhea, all the different symptoms. And I always had some issues with my gut but it really hit a hit to a head. And I, at the time I was eating like six meals a day. First thing in the morning, I'd wake up, you know, have a protein shake before I went to bed. I had like a 16 hour eating window because I thought I needed that to maintain muscle. And I got to the point where I was just not feeling good. And I realized that when I didn't eat, for example, when I didn't eat in the morning, I felt better. And surprisingly, and over the course of like about a year of kind of experimenting with this and nobody was teaching me this. It was, this is back in 2005. I mean, nobody was talking about intermittent fasting back then. And just really over about the course of a year, I just realized that I felt so much better by skipping breakfast. And for me, that seemed to be a eating window that worked with my schedule. And I actually had lost weight. I had lost about 30 pounds, which I'm already very thin. And I started putting that weight back. I felt stronger, healthier in the gym. And so I just realized, wow, when I'm not eating in the morning and I kind of condense my eating window and I was eating in like, I don't know, four, six hour eating window, but I was eating a lot of food in that window. I just felt a lot better. I had more energy. I was stronger in the gym. I just felt significantly better. And it really wasn't until a few years later that I heard the term intermittent fasting. I couldn't really explain it to people. I just thought this journey was while I was in graduate school and people were like, they saw me gaining weight. 
right? And I used to, I used to have very low blood pressure, right? And so like, you know, I would get dizzy. I would have orthostatic hypotension when I was dealing with this irritable bowel, which was in graduate school. And I was taking classes in, you know, visceral physiology and we would get our blood pressure. You know, we would, we would practice taking a physical exam. And so my blood pressure was really low. I mean, I just thought, you know, nobody really understood what that meant at that time, but it would be like 90 over 60 or whatever. And my blood pressure started stabilizing. I just felt better. My brain felt better. I mean, all of these types of things. So people were watching this sort of adaptation. And I remember telling somebody, I'm like, I think it's the water. I'm drinking all this water. I would drink like a gallon of water between the time I woke up and the middle of the day. Cause I didn't even understand what fasting, the power mm-hmm. of fasting. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that I actually discovered the research behind it. And I was like, wow, this is actually what I was doing and how I came about this. And so intermittent fasting absolutely has transformed my own personal life. And I've seen it help so many other people. And I really think it's inexpensive. Obviously it doesn't cost you anything actually saves you money. I always say it's the most ancient, inexpensive, and perhaps the most powerful healing strategy known to mankind. All of our ancestors fasted because they didn't have refrigerators and pantries. And, you know, for certain seasons of the year, they were very much dependent upon whatever they could find that day to eat. They didn't know where their meals are. And even in some areas in third world countries and things like that, people are still in a place where they don't know if they're going to eat that day, right? Um, There's places where there's food scarcity like that. And so we are blessed that in our country, in the United States, and probably if you're listening to this podcast, you don't have to worry about your next meal. Right. Like, you know, you've got plenty of food. I've got enough food for a month. Or easily I can in my call house in here. and have it delivered. Um, but that's, yeah. Or you can have it delivered. Exactly. And so now we need to be a little bit more intentional about it. But this was actually built into our genetic blueprint that we're actually better. Our body is better at adapting to fasting than overfeeding. Right. We're much better at adapting to periods of food scarcity than periods where we have massive yeah. food abundance. And so this is built into our blueprint. Now, just like anything, just like exercise, you know, exercise is a tool. Fasting is a tool to help improve your health. I would never ask somebody who is sedentary or just recovering from an injury, for example, to go out and run a 5K as fast as they can. They would hurt themselves. And so it's kind of like that with fasting. We want to build the muscle, build the fitness. And so we start, we find a starting place, and then we just gradually challenge and prime the system. So that way you're able to gradually adapt into a fasting window where you can get great health benefits. And, and we'll talk about those health benefits, but also, you know, be able to make it a part of your lifestyle. I always say it's a fasting lifestyle. It's not like the beginning of the year, I do a five day fast or whatever. That's great. If you want to do that and you feel motivated and inspired to do it. However, you know, this is really something that we want to be doing on a regular basis as part of our lifestyle that you should have some level of fasting incorporated into, you know, kind of your weekly schedule. I agree. And it, it's a, a muscle, right? The more we yeah. do it, the better we get at it. And there are some strategies to like not feel like we're being deprived, you know, through it or really struggle with willpower through it. So what are some of those strategies? For sure. Well, you know, I, I would say starting start by changing your nutrition, changing your diet. So if you're eating foods that are processed foods that have a high glycemic index or glycemic load, that is going to throw off your blood sugar. You want to get your blood sugar as stable as possible. So I always recommend, you know, starting by taking out snacks and in your meals, you are aiming for roughly around 30 grams of healthy fats and 30 grams of protein. Okay. And if you still have room, you can add in, you know, some healthier carbohydrates, um, you know, vegetables, lots of vegetables and maybe some berries and things like that and eat three meals, right? With at least 30 grams of protein and 30 grams of healthy fats from olive oil, avocados, grass-fed butter, coconut oil, something along those lines, right? If you do that, then you're going to have more satiation, meaning that you're not going to feel hungry between meals. In fact, you may even get You may eat breakfast and have a breakfast like that. And then lunchtime comes and you're like, I don't even feel very hungry, you know? And so this happens all the time. People are like, well, they start like this and they'll say, you know, I really am not hungry at lunch. Do I have to eat it? You know, (laughs) and that's a sign that you're probably ready to do a little bit of intermittent fasting. You have better blood sugar stability and your body is better at burning fat for fuel. You're more fat adapted. Okay. And so once you're at the point where you eat a good breakfast, and you're able to easily go four, five, six hours without eating and feel great. 
okay? You're ready for some level of intermittent fasting. And so I always say start with 12 hours between your last meal and your first meal. So it's a very, we call it the simple fast because really it's simple. It's really more of a mindfulness strategy where, you know, if you eat your last meal and finish at 7 p.m., you wouldn't eat anything with calories until 7 a.m. the next morning. So you can drink herbal tea, okay? You can drink, you know, black coffee if you want to. However, you just don't consume anything with calories until 12 hours, you know, the next day. And what you'll find is that it's actually pretty easy. And then I always say start your day with hydration because all of us are dehydrated when we first wake up. When we're breathing, we're actually losing water vapor. So we're all dehydrated when we first wake up. I know you're big on, you know, obviously getting the right alkalinity. And so hydration is important with that. You can also throw in, you know, some lemon or you can do like an herbal tea. Uh, Warm beverages are great. Help you move your bowels. You know, you can do like a warm dandelion or ginger tea or, you know, passion flower, kava, you know, there's all, all different types. There's a lot of different blends that you can get um, that are just really nice. And it's warm beverages. And so hydrate your body well. I recommend drinking at least 16 ounces of water. Okay. And again, it could be in a herbal tea form before you even think about eating any food. All right. That is such good advice. I mean, hunger imitates thirst, yes. right? Or thirst imitates hunger. And so it is like hydration, one of my hacks and sometimes get out of it, but having that bottle of water at the bedside and try not to drink before I go to sleep. But when I wake up in the morning to really hydrate very, very well, and I'll often take a shot of Mighty Maca in the morning, first thing, or soon thereafter, especially after a workout to help remove some toxins and to remove some of that acidity as well. And I think it's, you know, the timing of hydration is really important. People have been conditioned to however drink with their meals, which is the worst time to hydrate. Yeah, exactly. You want to drink away from meals. You want to drink as little as possible with meals. And if you eat foods like you and I recommend, you're getting hydration, you're getting minerals, you're getting fluids, electrolytes in your meals. Like if you eat celery or, you know, cucumbers or any of these types of things, you're eating vegetables, you're getting some level of positive hydration. That's not going to impact your digestive juice production, right? You don't want to dilute your stomach acid by drinking a whole bunch of water. And that's a neutral pH. When you need your stomach acid to be at a really strong pH to be able to break down the protein that's in your meal and, and to absorb minerals. So it's so true, but we do want to hydrate away from meals and hydrating away from meals is going to help you feel better. You're going to actually be able to think sharper. You're going to have more energy. It's also going to help you move your bowels, which is a very important thing for removing toxicity out of your body. And it's almost like, you know, it's like, if you're not moving your bowels in the morning, it's like you're walking around all day with like a, you know, 40 pound backpack on, right? When you start, when you hydrate well, activates that peristalsis, you move your bowels once or twice early in the morning it's like, you're just free, right? You just feel like, you know, you just dropped a whole bunch of bacterial waste out of your system so much better. Um, for, for some people too, taking salts with your water can be really, really helpful as well. So good um, sea salt with your water. You can just put it on your finger and put it right on your tongue. That can be really helpful. And also between meals, that can also be very helpful between meals because typically, you know, we need more salts, right? And especially if you're going on a lower carbohydrate diet, when your insulin goes down because you're fasting, because you're following a lower carb diet, then you actually excrete more sodium. And so you want to add that sodium back by just salting your foods to taste. Um, you can just take a, like a little pinch of salt, put it on your tongue, and that can help. And a lot of people notice that that just improves their energy levels. Also, I've noticed a little bit of salt and water be really good for people that are having allergies or histamine-like reactions. Salt itself is actually a natural antihistamine. So people that are having, you know, congestion, sneezing a lot, things like that, just taking a little bit of salt and then drinking water with it. Actually, they'll see, they'll be like, wow, actually that made me feel a lot better. So hydrating well between meals and hydrating well in the morning is super critical. And by doing that, it also suppresses your hunger hormone, your ghrelin, which now allows you to be able to fast longer. So when you hydrate well in the morning, you'll just notice that it's easier to go longer without food. And it gets very easy to get into that 14-hour block between your last meal and your first meal. So most people, if they just hydrate well in the morning, make these sort of nutrition changes, it's actually really easy to fast for about 14 hours, okay? Then you kind of have to challenge your system a little bit, right? So you may feel a little bit of hunger come in, 
And what I recommend is if your goal is, hey, I want to do a 16-hour fast and eat in an eight-hour window, just hydrate again, mm -hmm. right? Drink another four to six ounces of water and then see if you really are hungry. For a lot of people, they notice they're not. Yeah, this is where the minerals really help. The tri salts, yeah. the minerals, and I, especially with adrenal fatigue, like I always get mm, questions. Yeah. Well, I have adrenal fatigue, and I'm like, okay, adrenal hypofunction maybe. So let's or yeah. adrenal dysfunction. Let's talk about it. It's a HPA axis problem. It's not an adrenal problem. So I, I want to be clear about that. But it is, you know, I get the comment. I'm supposed to eat three meals, three snacks. I'm like, no, that's the worst thing you can do. But mineral salts, incredibly beneficial, especially when you do have adrenal issues and, and that fatigue level, the mineral salts. And a friend, Magdalena Wyslaki, we were out, we were traveling together and I jet lagged a little bit from our travel. And so she made me a concoction just with sparkling water, like club soda or some sparkling water, added a teaspoon of mineral salt. So like Himalayan sea salt may have been what we used and a squirt of lime juice to just help with flavor and also, you know, to help with stimulating digestion and alkalinization. And it was like that immediate pick me up. And that helps you, you know, pause to, you know, take that next right step. And so you're not just grabbing for a quick, it wasn't like, don't grab for a carb fix or a food fix. Let's nourish your body, give it what you need. And especially when it comes to uh, the sense of, of fatigue or adrenal exhaustion that you're giving your adrenal glands that good hydration, hydration totally. and minerals and alkalinization. Totally. Yeah, huge. Yeah, it's, it's huge. You know, a lot of people will use pickle juice too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pickle juice because it's the brine. You know, it's got salt in it. It's got acetic acid in there, you know, which is just a great combination for helping get salt and fluid into your system. That's really great as well for, you know, people are dealing with HPA axis dysfunction. So very, very helpful strategies. But yeah, once we get into kind of that 14 to 16 hour window, that's a great window, you know, and so you're eating three meals in like an eight hour eating window or you know, you can condense it depending on some individuals are able to do large meals, right? And and do it very easily because they have good digestive juice production. That's me. Like I can do one or two meals and that seems to work great. So I typically do two meals in usually in a six hour eating window. And then one day a week, this is a little bit more of an advanced step, but like once somebody gets really well adapted into intermittent fasting, I'm a huge fan of doing a one day a week, a 20 to 24 hour, meaning that it's almost like one meal a day, just for one, one day during that week. So for me, it's usually on Wednesday, I eat lunch and then I fast until lunch on Thursday and that doing a deeper fast, it's not typically where I start people, but we do it down the road as the body gets more adapted, more fat adapted and doing a fast like that really helps with higher levels of autophagy and downregulating inflammation and system, right? So when we do that, the body really goes into repair mode when we're doing that 20 to 24 hour fast. And so ketones go way up in our system and the body starts breaking down all these old damaged cellular organelles, bad mitochondria that can't burn fat for fuel. We get rid of those and we replace them with new healthy mitochondria. We get rid of a lot of inflammatory proteins in the system, a lot of senescent or older aged immune cells. We start getting rid of a lot of these things and it's a great way to really reset your system. And if you're doing that on a weekly basis, you're really resetting your cellular structure over the course of a year. So I'm a huge advocate of that. But you know, typically where I try to get people is on a daily basis, doing at least 14 hour fast and then 16 to 18 hour fast, at least two or three days a week. Okay. And, and for some individuals, they do better when it's non-consecutive days, like a Monday, Friday, because fasting like exercise is a stressor on the system. And if you're very lean, particularly females who are very lean and either females that are dealing with some sort of major chronic illness or, you know, they're living in a moldy home or something like that. They seem to struggle with daily kind of a deeper intermittent fast on a daily basis or females that are very lean, they're exercising and they have a stressful life. They're a mom or they've got a career or both or something like that. For those women, you know, I typically wouldn't start them with doing a 16 or 18 hour fast every day. I would do two or three days a week, kind of see how they adapt to that. If they feel good doing it, then we can experiment with going a little bit further. 
Yeah, no, and I think it's so important to get into ketosis to help to improve insulin sensitivity. It is game changing for our life. And one of the big things is, you know, I just did this diabetes and prediabetes masterclass that's available during my book launch. And I talk about, you know, risk factors for diabetes. Menopause is a risk factor for diabetes and your risk is increased if you've had your uterus removed mm. and even more increased if your ovaries were removed as well. I mean, who knew that? I didn't know to consent my patients. I'm doing hysterectomies on and removing their ovaries that they're going to have increased risk of diabetes, nor did I know that actually increased your risk for cardiovascular disease. That's not part yeah. of our consent, at least not when I was being trained. And I think it's really important to understand, like there's a tie-in. Yeah, you're not typically taught. No, it's a tie-in to hormonal health. And this transition, we've naturally become more insulin resistant, especially when we're taking away our own natural hormones. And I think that's really important. I want you to address, like, because this is an area that you talk about a lot, but how blood sugar and insulin impact our sex hormones. Yeah, for sure. So blood sugar, you know, obviously we need some level of sugar in our blood. However, when blood sugar goes up, the sugar molecules themselves will bind to proteins in our bloodstream and create something called an advanced glycation mm -hmm. enzyme or advanced glycation end product, which is like a sticky protein that is very reactive, creates a lot of reactive oxygen species and free radicals and damages different tissues of the body, particularly the endothelial lining of the blood vessels. It damages nerves, damages the kidneys. You think about somebody with uncontrolled diabetes, what do they end up with? Neuropathy. Yep. Um, Heart disease, kidney disease. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Fatty liver. So to protect against that, insulin's job is to get the sugar out of the bloodstream, put it in the cells where it can now be used for energy. The other thing that insulin does is it shuts down fat burning. So we don't burn fat because again, the signal is, Hey, we need to use up this sugar. We can't have it in the bloodstream. We need to use it for energy. So let's stop burning fat. And insulin also activates inflammatory pathways as well in the body. And this makes sense to me because from an ancestral perspective, whenever we eat food, we are actually bringing in pathogens into our system, right? Food is going to have bacteria and potential pathogens in our body. Inflammation is the way that we deal with these pathogens. Inflammation is how our body heals and how it protects from some sort of systemic infection. This is really what killed, it's probably killed more people throughout the history of mankind than anything else is some sort of bacterial infection getting into our bloodstream and spreading throughout our body, getting into our lungs, causing pneumonia, getting into our nervous system, causing meningitis, right? Even like with COVID, it wasn't the virus that was killing people. It was actually a co-infection where the cytokine storm, the inflammatory storm damaged the endothelial lining in the lungs, and then bacteria would get into the lungs and cause a bacterial pneumonia. And that's why people die. It's really the bacteria because their job is to break down decaying matter. And if they see our body as decaying matter, they're going to try to break it down. And so inflammation is our adaptive response to that. Inflammation is a life-saving and healthy thing. However, when we're constantly sending the signal that we need inflammation turned up, that creates an imbalance. And that's when we start to break down our own tissue. And so whenever we eat, our body primes itself to get ready for pathogens coming in, starts to activate a little bit of these inflammatory pathways to get ready just in case, you know, we ate something bad, right? That it needs to deal with. And so insulin helps trigger that pathway because when we eat food, even if it's like just straight fat, there's going to be some level of insulin release. Obviously carbohydrate rich foods tend to be a lot more insulogenic because again, they're obviously going to break down into sugar in our system. So all of that's happening. And the way that our hormonal system responds is unique. So when we have more and more insulin being produced because we're eating these carbs and our cells, over time, they stop responding to the message of insulin and they become resistant to insulin. And they have, we have less insulin receptors on the cells and they're less responsive to the message of insulin. So our body produces more and more and more insulin, okay? And so as insulin goes up, it will also trigger you know, a couple of other pathways. So for example, in females, for some females, they'll get an increase in estrogen. Insulin surges can cause an increase in estrogen, whereas other women can get an increase in testosterone. So when we look at conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, that's a condition that's marked by insulin resistance. 
and an increase in testosterone, too much testosterone for these females. So they start to develop these cysts in their uterus. And uh, also acne, female acne oftentimes can be associated with high testosterone and high insulin as well. For other women, they get too much estrogen. When they get too much estrogen, they can develop things like endometriosis, right? PMS, right? A lot of different issues like that. I know you talk all about this. So this plays a big role in those balance. And then for men, a lot of times men will develop too much of this enzyme aromatase, which converts testosterone into estrogen. So the man starts to have low testosterone and higher estrogen levels. So he starts gaining more abdominal fat, starts, you know, for some men, they even start getting more breast tissue, low libido, low mental drive, because testosterone plays a huge role, you know, in just our mental activity and particularly our drive, our dopamine levels. And so our ability to go after and accomplish goals, think positively, right? Things like Take that. Take action, so right? Get up men, off the couch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So when you see a man, normally they're, you know, middle-aged, but this is happening younger and younger now that, you know, like if you look down for a man, especially because we shouldn't have breast tissue, we should be able to look down right? And see our toes. And if a man can't do that because of, you know, belly fat in the way, that's a sign that they're insulin resistant and more than likely they have low testosterone and they have this elevation in aromatase. And so it's very, very unhealthy. And, you know, again, right, it's going to take, you know, the drive out of the man and we really need to control. And that's a great starting place when it comes to your health is controlling your blood sugar, controlling your insulin levels. I couldn't agree more. And I think how it really affects so many of us. And, you know, it was designed for survival. And those of us, there are genetic predisposition to being really efficient at becoming insulin resistant. The Native Americans, the Middle Easterners, I'm Middle Eastern descent. So, you know, these are warrior genes. These are tribal genes. These are survival genes. And I always get, you know, upset when a young woman comes in to me at any age, I mean, it, typically I would see my clients who are struggling with fertility and I would diagnose them with insulin resistant and, uh, or insulin resistant, or someone's been diagnosed with PCOS and told they have fat genes, right? No, you have, you have amazing survival genes. You're meant to be a leader, a warrior, you know, a, a doer. And so I think it's really important to look at that perspective too. By design, we have these genes for survival. So now we have to work with our nature. And I will say you can't hack mother nature. She always wins. I mean, we have to work with our design, work with our biology, work with our physiology, and it's all connected. One of the things in the Bible, it talks about using your mind, you know, constant renewal of your mind, right? We've got the, the physical piece is really important. The renewal of our mind is what keeps the momentum in place, the motivation, the willpower, the inspiration. And I think that's like when we talk about moving one step forward, two steps back, you know, creating these practices that can help us, it often comes to the renewal of the mind. Because when we get our body in that physiologic state of intermittent fasting and high ketosis, we're not hungry. It's not about willpower anymore. It's about something else, right? Yeah, for sure. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, where you talked about renewing our minds, 12, that's 12, 2, 12, 1 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So that, that's a great idea right there is just realizing that, you know, this body is an amazing temple that God gave us, but really God wants us to offer it as a living sacrifice, you know, and that's another strategy too, for helping, you know, with all kinds of limiting beliefs when it comes to your health. For example, a lot of people, are, they have a limiting belief that, well, I mean, there's some truth to it that eating healthier, right? Or eating healthy foods, if I'm choosing organic, that it's going to cost more. And I tell people, you know, turn that around and say, look, just offer it up as a living sacrifice. Say, God, you know that I'm spending more money on my groceries here. And Father, I just want to offer that as a living sacrifice. I'm doing that because you gave me this great temple. I want to take great care of it. And I'm trusting you that you're going to provide for all my needs right? So we turn it around, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. That's your true and proper form of worship. And do not conform to the patterns of this world, like you were saying, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so patterns of the world are when it comes to health, do what's easiest and most pleasing, right? Go to the McDonald's drive-thru because it's easy. You don't even have to get out of your car. It's cheap, right? And the food is hyper palatable. So, you know, lots of taste to it. 
And so God asks us to transform our minds. So we make different choices when it comes to our health because we're transformed and we're offering our body is sacrifice. And if you start to view it from that perspective, then it's a little art will provide all of your needs and he'll help when it comes to providing teachers like you, Anna, Dr. Anna, and those, those of you that have found her podcast to help guide you along the way, resources, help lead you to the right you know, supplements and the right accountability partners and things like that. They're going to help you accomplish your goals. Yeah, no, I so agree. I like that, the constant renewal. I was reading, there's a great book called Sparkling Gems, and it goes back to the original Greek or the original translations. And the word for temple actually translates into cathedral, like so a cathedral of our spirit. Our body is the mm -hmm. cathedral of our spirit. That's a bigger visual for me being from a very Catholic tradition, but looking at cathedrals and Catholic church. Okay, I've got a cathedral and constant renovation needs to happen so that it stays strong. And you have to be accountable. You know, you have to be accountable to yourself and others. And so I think that especially in transformations, when we're working in fasting, when we're working groups, certainly with your book, The Fasting Transformation, with my books and my new book coming out, Menu Pause, let's do it in groups. Let's do it together. Let's have this accountability. Let's support each other because we know that, you know, we're going to have weak moments. Let's be, you know, open. Let's be authentic and let's work together. Let's do this together. So I think that community piece is so powerful. I could talk to you forever, David. Thank you so much for being here on the Girlfriend Doctor Show and sharing your wisdom and your light. Tell our audience how they can get a hold of you. For sure. Well, you can find The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or you know wherever books are sold. So you can check that out. That is an amazing book. I really go through all the science on how fasting impacts cancer, neurodegenerative conditions, autoimmune conditions, leaky gut. We go through the mechanisms, the science behind it. And I talk about all different types of fasting strategies, intermittent fasting, which is what we focused on today. But we talk about partial fasting, extended fasting, what to expect. Like for example, on a five-day water fast, we have a whole chapter on what to expect as you're going through that process, how to troubleshoot. We also go through toxins, right? And, and how to deal with both exogenous and, and uh, well, fat cell-induced endotoxicity, as well as gut-induced endotoxicity that you may deal with when you're doing a fast and how to best deal with those things. And so it's a great book. I, you know, I really think it's the best book on fasting. So it's the Fasting Transformation. Of course, you can find me on my website, drjockers.com. And also my podcast where, Anna, your interview is about to come out and probably will by the time this comes out. And uh, that's the Functional Nutrition podcast. So check that out. I love it. Thank you, you guys, Dr. David Jockers. This has been great, insightful information. Definitely help us understand and be committed to more fasting. And remember, it's a process and doing it in community makes a big difference. So I am grateful for all of you being here with us today in the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Please, please give us a rating and subscribe to the show so you know when our next one is going live. I look forward to seeing you. We are about, oh my goodness, I almost let you get away without my, oh my gosh, you guys, we are not over <laughs> yet. I did not do my rapid fire <clears throat> questions. This has become a favorite, a favorite for my audience. All right. So with all of this, what is your favorite food, David? Favorite food? You know, I love dark chocolate. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. What's your favorite drink or cocktail? Drink or cocktail? That's a good question. You know, I like I like Kavitas. I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. heard of that. You know, I don't drink that much, but when I do, we have Dry Farms red wine. Mm -hmm. Then I'll drink a little bit of that. Yep. So good. I'm in Lent, so I'm whining about no wine yeah. right now. I'm, I'm not drinking. Yeah. So that's my nourish. Like my four pillars are nourish, shine, awaken, and embrace. So I ask a question, typically one or two questions in each. All right. So in shining, in the aspect of shining, what's your favorite workout or exercise? I do strength training, resistance training. So I love lifting weights. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to love lifting weights. I'm just not there yet. <laughs> All right. And what are you reading right now? I am reading a book called Destined to Win by Chris Vallotton of Bethel Church. Ooh. My wife and I are doing a book study on that. 
It's a great book. That sounds good. Okay. And then my uh, fourth pillar is embrace. What's a secret um, intimacy? Like how have you maintained healthy relationship between work and, and stressors and that's a great question. You know, my wife and I just celebrated our seven-year anniversary, and we have four kids. Congratulations. We, had twin, we have twin six-year-olds, so we started out with a bang, right? She conceived six weeks into our marriage wow. with twins. And so, yeah. So how do we maintain, you know, one big thing we're trying to do is two date nights every month. We just took a trip to Mexico, Cancun, just three days, just the two of us, you know, left the kids at home with everybody. And we had sitters and my mom and everybody help out. And then, you know, we, we try to be off of our electronics and everything at nine 30 at night by nine 30, sometimes earlier and just chat or read a book together. Just kind of like sit right next to each other and snuggle up and read, you know, sometimes we're reading the same book. Sometimes we're reading different books, but that's what we try to do is really connect at night. We also try to take a family walk or something like that with the kids and everything. And you know, as much as possible when the weather's nice, getting out in the evening as well. So just trying to get that time together, I think is so important, you know, and trying to get time together where we're not distracted by, particularly by electronics, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big thing in our society today. And then, yeah, just trying to, trying to do things together. I think that, that's huge. That's good. And I like the concept of date nights. I like to call them play nights, you know, like having yeah. that play time together too. All right. So final question, what's your favorite sexual position? Oh, yes, audience. I did ask him that. <laughs> um, I mean, almost any position. So. <laughs> still, <laughs> I don't know the names of them all. Still trying so. to decipher. We'll have to play, you know, a lot yeah. more play to de be determined. <laughs> Better question for my wife. Right? Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so thank you so much for being here with me and my audience and sharing your knowledge and information. I enjoy being with you. Anything I can do to help you guys, the fasting transformation, Dr. David Jockers, definitely follow him on social media for that morning inspiration too. So powerful. Thank you. Thanks again, David. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anna. Always an honor to do anything with you. And I really appreciate all the great work you're doing and how you're serving your community. <laughs>